and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. And Dave. Sup, dudes? Uh, no Tori this week. She is traveling. Times got mixed up. She'll be back next week. Well, I got this. Bloop! Hi! <laughs> uh, there's no out bloop. There is no. I just I'm like I gotta add some things so there, they know. There's no me out again. bloop. You yeah. You don't have to make the walkie-talkie noise with your mouth. It does it on its own. <laughs> um. So let's start with good thing. Uh, Dave, my, what you got? Let me start. My good thing is uh, Tori saying, "Pardon me, but I'm a kick-ass librarian." That was a pretty good thing. <laughs> uh, but before this morning, when I listened to that, my favorite, uh, my good thing was going to be uh, Dungeons and Dragons shorts by, it's, I think Man Shorts is the name of the YouTube channel. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, yeah, M A N N shorts, Man Shorts. He does all these like Dungeons and Dragons different editions. There's like a hipster edition and a 90s kid edition and like a California edition and like a bro edition, like all different like character tropes. I haven't played like, any of those editions. Are. Yeah. Is that <laughs> like, one I've... word? Man space shorts. Man with two ends. That's the dude's name. Snowflake and... edition. That's what popped up. Yeah, that's right. the most recent one. That one was pretty funny. Uh, but just look for the most popular ones and start with those, but they are hilarious. This guy's just got like the trolliest players that have these, that all follow like these tropes. It's great. All right. Craig. I think it's funny. It's funny enough because it pokes fun at the archetypes that even if you don't know a lot about Dungeons and Dragons, you'll still enjoy it. Man, I have so many good things. Well, give us Uh, one. Yeah, I had to give one. That's, that's part of the problem. So I gave two. Well, we'll, we'll give an honorary <laughs> mention. Uh, I just got back from ClamCon, so I think that that definitely warrants a good thing. Uh, that was Alu Alucard 2004. For those of you who aren't familiar, Twitch.tv/slash Alucard 2004. He uh, had a get together. A bunch of well, there was twelve of us, including Dave. It's four thousand two um, Dracula spelled backwards. Yes, and we had like we had Wild Anaconda, we had Vitor, um, we had other people who don't stream. So, but the, I don't I don't want to like go through and mention everyone. Triple Z streams. Triple Z sometimes streams. He's in the tournaments, but he doesn't. The radial streams. Yeah. Does he? Oh yeah, he streams the tracker. <laughs> anyway. So it was fun. We did a couple escape rooms. We played a bunch of board games. You can catch some of the VODs where you can watch us play. That's an honorary good thing. And I do... No, what? No, let's just make that a good thing. I could talk about video games another week. That is my good thing. Okay. ClamCon definitely did seem fun from from watching the very sporadic and occasional streams that I got to catch. Um... Anyway, my good thing this week is something I'm doing tomorrow and then again in November. So if anyone's watching live, uh, you could potentially catch me in person uh, at a thing called Sewer Fest, which is a reptile um, show, vending show, uh, where I'm going to have a table and I'm going to be selling snakes and my wife is going to be selling uh, jewelry doodads that she has made from shed snake skins. Um, it is in Sturdivant, Wisconsin, which is near where I live. Don't stalk me. Please don't. Do you do this every year? Uh, every year that we have, like, enough babies to actually go and sell. And um, are these the rare babies that have the the rare genes are are those the ones that are going to be featured? Well, they're not rare, rare, but I mean, yeah, uh, all of our ball python babies are going to be up for sale, uh, including a bumblebee that I really want to keep. So I'm going to have the price tag on her like outrageously high, so that if anyone actually does buy her, I've got you know a ton of money, and if no one right. does, then I get to keep cool snake. Um, and then, yeah, so tomorrow is when this is happening, and then again on November 11th. 
uh, which, I mean, might be about when this episode actually, like, properly comes out. So, maybe I'll get to hit it up twice. Um, but November 11th, we will have whatever ball pythons we don't sell tomorrow. And then also um, blood pythons, which are a different species. And they should be calmed down by then because we'll be handling them a decent amount between now and then. But right now, they're just angry in teeth. So, I want to point out on their website, it says features quality breeders across Wisconsin, the Midwest, and all over the U.S. You, sir, are a quality breeder. I am. Um, we actually, when we started doing this, we decided that we were going to like keep track of and provide information about things like that. We kept screwing up when we tr- when we went to like go buy snakes at shows. Like we kept not asking questions we intended to ask. So we decided that like we're just going to keep track of this stuff and and provide this sort of info just up front. Here's what they've been eating. Here's how often they've been eating. Here's whether they're doing live or frozen thawed. You know, all all of this stuff that like we just we didn't do our due diligence. As as buyers, so yeah. Hmm. Okay. And that just worked really well because now you're you're uh, at the show with the table. Well, our most successful show uh, was I think like a year ago or so. We managed to sell enough to buy rats to get us by for about six months, and then have enough money left over to also buy lunch. For us. Wow. Yeah. That was a good show. Not not a ton of money on the low end in snakes. You know, the hobby pays for itself eventually. Sort of. Do you and, actually know, like, which species are imported so you can avoid that? I mean, I guess it, it would be harder to get a hold of anyway. Um, it's not a Clearly species you know thing. Clearly venomous. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's not going to be anything... Or there aren't going to be any venomous snakes at this show. Uh, sure. There, there yeah, are going saying. to be some venomous um, insects, just insects and arachnids, just because like a lot of them are mildly venomous and like tarantulas, you know, are venomous technically, but eh, whatever. They're cats who don't do anything. Um, oh yeah, and this is a reptile show. Uh, if you want to go. Be warned, there are snakes, there are frogs, there are tortoises, <laughs> there are spiders, there are crickets, there are roaches, there are creepy crawlies of almost every sort imaginable. If that's going to be a problem, don't go. Just just don't. Uh, so, Dave, let's, let's get started on those chapters. Okay, so uh, today we will be going over Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson, chapters one, a to who, and three. <laughs> All right. So, the uh, first chapter starts as the introduction started by saying, Ash fell from the sky. I guess he was trying to catch a Pidgey and he fell out of a no. tree. No. But, um, oh. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, we are introduced to who. Uh, has been revealed as the girl on the cover of my book, Vin. And we see that she is in the, I think it's the capital city, is it Luthadel? Is it the capital city or just a big city nearby to where the intro was? But it's, it's a city that uh, Baron Von Dead Guy was hoping to move to. Um, and speaking of which, uh, since Vin is, has apparently been in the city a while and even like in these events, uh, Baron Von Dead Guy had just been killed by <laughs> Fullerson. I like Kel- that name. Kelsier. Baron Von oh. Dead <laughs> She is apparently not just his daughter, as I had assumed. But her, uh, theory thrown out the window immediately. <laughs> um, but anyway, she is in a band of ragamuffins uh, that made me think I was reading Oliver Twist for a little bit. Um, <laughs> not really. But anyway. She's in a, like a, a band of young adults, uh, swindlers and thieves and beggars and things. And she is valuable to her team because of a supernatural power that she calls luck. And she can, uh, basically calm the emotions of people and 
weapons. She can, you know, manipulate them a little bit, uh, to, you know, to help, uh, her partners, you know, convince their mark that this is a good deal, you know, that this is, that we are trustworthy. So she has that supernatural ability. And she and, uh, come on are, uh, about to do a job where they are actually going to be swindling the ministry. And so they have a bunch of new, I think it's, is it a bunch of new acolytes that, you know, one of the, one of their team members noticed that, you know, when acolytes, you know, move, move into the city, they, bring with them a bunch of money. So they were going to kind of get them out onto the lake and steal all the money. But then, uh, and Camon, uh, double crosses his partner and talks to, talks to ministry into giving him a down payment. So he's going to run off with a down payment and leave everyone in the dust. Um, uh, I didn't really know where to fit this in, but Vin also has, was also raised by her older brother who taught her not to trust anybody, and his final lesson to her was betraying her and abandoning her. So uh, she is just uh, surrounded by people backstabbing and betraying one another since the time she was born. I think she even says that her mom tried to kill her at one point. Um, but anyway, she has this, the main, you know, the main focus is she's got this power, this, this luck, as she calls it, and... She doesn't understand what it is or how it works, but she knows that she can manipulate people's emotions somewhat. And so she has a really bad feeling about this deal where uh, Kamon is manipulating and swindling the ministry. And she's like, this isn't good. Like the guy that we were supposed to negotiate with is AFK. And there's like, like a really, <laughs> a really important dude uh, instead that we're making the deal with. And she just has an overall bad feeling about it. <laughs> and in the office of the ministry, we have our hero from the introduction, Kelsier, and his good friend, uh, Docs, Doxit. And, you know, they're kind of keeping an eye on things. They, Doxin, I think, lives in the city and he's, he's kind of got his finger in every, in every pot and has, knows a little bit about everything. And he caught wind of this girl, Vin, and, her power, her luck that she calls it, and he recognizes it as uh, as alumancy, which is the consciously digesting metals to give you superpowers. And Kelsier and Docs uh, suspect that uh, she may have full alu alumantic abilities. You know, instead of just this this one specialization, they suspect that maybe she's got like the, the whole deal like Kelsier has. Um, and they later differentiate. There's uh, mistings. Mistings are people that have one alimantic power out of like the main six. Or is it eight? Is it six or eight? Are you asking or are yeah. you thinking? I'm asking, Mike. Is uh, it six or eight? Eight are mentioned. Eight are mentioned. Eight are like the, the primary ones, I think they call it, or the basic ones. So they have mistings, which are people that have one of those abilities, and then they have mistborns that uh, have full access to all allomantic power. And they suspect she might be a mistborn, so they're tailing her, and they're they know that you know she's using her allomancy on an obligator, which is a big old no-no because they are trained to detect it, and. They don't want the ministry capturing her. So they are kind of tailing her and her gang. And when they leave the ministry building, they go back to their hideout. And Kelsier and Doxin intervene and somehow keep the ministry from following them. I think they, they kill a couple dudes. They, well, Kelsier kind of like, Who's oh, the dude with the spikes in his eyes? The Steel Inquisitor. So there's this dude with spikes in his eyes. They're like, <laughs> they're like the Dementors of this of this world. Basically, I don't know. They're like, um, really intimidating. I guess we'll learn more about them. Actually, we don't really get a whole lot other than they're like 
super scary and supernaturally tough. They have spikes in their eyes. Well, the the worst part about them is that they'll make you lose a Quidditch match. (laughs) Well, the worst part about them is they've got spikes in their eyes. Ugh. (laughs) So anyway, Kelsier diverts the uh, Steel Inquisitor while uh, Dachshund deals with the other uh, Ministry goons. Flunkies, he calls them. Which always makes me think of Mario RPG. Um, so anyway, while they're doing that, Vin is, you know, still riding this really bad vibe that she got from their recent apparent victory at the ministry. She's like, I gotta get out of here. She's like, there's this one guy who's been kind of nice to me. I trust him. I don't want to go out alone. Let me bring this guy with him. So she's like, all right, we're going to leave together. You wait here. She goes back her bags. She comes back, and he like immediately ratted her out to uh, to come on, and then come on starts like beating the crap out of her, and then Kelsier and Dachshund show up, and like Kelsier, I, I don't think it's mentioned that Dox if Dachshund's an Alamancer, I think he might not be, um, but Kelsier is got is like the full on Mistborn. He's like drinks all these medals and just goes in there and. St- like manipulates everybody and shows off and it's it was actually kind of unclear to me whether during the scene where Kelsier comes in and rescues Vin I wasn't sure if they actually knew who Kelsier and Dachshund were or if he was just using Allomancy to convince them that they knew who he was but then afterward when you know they uh, get everybody out of the hideout. And it's just Kelsier, Dachshund, and Vin. They're sitting around and they raid the bar. Dachshund mentioned something like about Kelsier's reputation, so I think maybe they did actually know who they were. Um, but anyway, we go into details about uh, what the difference between Mistings and Mistborns, about where Allomancy comes from. Uh, generations and generations ago, the the nobles were taught this power. And, you know, even among the nobles these days, only a few people have the power. And it's very rare to see uh, somebody with the full Alamantic power. And once in a while, a crossbreed between the Ska, the slave race, and the nobles will pop up with these powers. And, like, well, first of all, like, a crossbreed is, like, a big old no-no. Like, crossbreeds are, like, basically, if a uh, if a nobleman has his way with a, a Ska, or I, um, actually, if a noble man has his way with a Ska woman, then she's usually executed after a few weeks, and that's one way they deal with crossbreeds. I don't know if it's a noble woman, how they would deal with that, but I guess there are, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I guess there are ways, but, um, anywho, so it's revealed that, uh, I think Kelsier and Vin are both half-breeds and have full alimantic powers. And then Chapter 3 basically ends on... You know, it basically goes through the exposition of the history of alimanty. It just, like, touches up on it a little bit. That's not really exposition if it's just touching up on it. But, uh, anyway, it's... um, I like how Kelsier at the very end says... That Vin wasn't born an aristocrat, which is good because now she's got this power and she's not part of the corrupt system. She can use the powers she sees fit, and Kelsier is hoping that she will join his cause. End chapter. Okay. Uh, so, I want to point out, uh, it's a shame Tori isn't with us this week to help us with our name pronunciations. I think <laughs> I think we're pretty good. Sounds, uh, it sounds like how I pictured it in my head, but... You I've know. been listening to the audiobook, so I can fill in here. Uh, Cayman. Not come on. Not come on. <laughs> Cayman. I thought they were all French. Stop pronouncing everyone's names French-like, and they're like, apparently that's wrong. Um, okay. Oh, it's yes. somewhat French. They're all French. Everyone's French. This whole book, super-duper French. Uh, however, no French one like pronounces the good. names all Frenchy, uh, including Brandon. I, I don't know why. Okay. Except because for, it's not Eric. Except for a few characters later on that, yeah, they get. Whoa, there are more characters? Spoiler. Uh, so let's hear, let's hear your, your theories going forward. 
Ooh, it's theory time. Yeah. What you got? Craft up some theories, Dave. Let's go. Where's this all going? Well, Vin's gonna... Actually, I don't know. One of my... It's a little early on, so maybe it just hasn't come up yet, but I kind of feel like the conflict in this book isn't really as good as the first one. As as good as um, Elantris. And that just might be because we haven't seen enough of it yet. But in Elantris, it was like, oh, you've got this nation that's coming out to destroy everybody and take over the world and kill people. And you've got this zealot and this other guy trying to, like, that was cool. But then, like, and then you also had, like, the conflict, then you also had, like, the supernatural conflict of the uh, Riode. But then in this book, it's like, uh, stuff, stuff kind of sucks. I hope we can rebel. Like, that's, that's basically what, like, it, it, we haven't ramped up enough for me to really, like, get invested in the character's quest. I like the characters. Like, I love Kelsier, and, and I think Vin's really cool, too. I like Dachshund, too. Like, even though he just got, he was just introduced in this section. He's, re- he's pretty funny. I kind of, like, I, I don't know if we're doing casting yet, but if I may, I mean, it might be a little early, but let's let's see what your initial. If, if I may, I I'm seeing Kelsier as Benedict Cumberbatch. I know he's supposed to be blonde, but I don't care. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, and like okay. while we're there, we'll just go ahead and make Martin Freeman Dachshund. Like, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I yeah. think they've got kind of like if you've ever seen the show Sherlock on HBO, I think they have uh, the same kind of dynamic. Is uh, Sherlock and Watson in that show? Sherlock's on BBC, dude. Yes, so. it's on BBC. Uh, whatever. Maybe. Are you sure? Yeah. I guess because there's nudity in it, but I guess that's like it's okay in England. No, I th- that's why I thought it. That's pretty much why I thought it was HBO. I think. No, it's BBC. There's like there's like brief nudity in it at a couple points. They're they're I guess not as. Well, yeah, I know in Europe they're a little more liberal about that, but it's, I also, I guess I watched it on Netflix, not on, on air, so, okay. Um, I actually watched it while I was living with Craig. Alright, quick question. Yeah. Dachshund is described as having a half beard. Is that a goatee? Is that, I like, pictured a goatee. five o'clock shadow. I like, like, does he have hair from lips down? Just like one, like the left side of his like beard. a lumberjack beard going on. Like, maybe like, he's no like, Amish, maybe not, he's not. like fourteen. <laughs> yeah, he's just like he's got peach fuzz. <laughs> um, yeah, just I assume that's a goatee, like a full, you know, mustache, chin, like like a like a converted Tony right Stark. Fair? You know, he he could have an Amish thing going on though. No mustache, just the beard part. Yeah, but hmm, I don't know. I could that see that. That's like a Rafo, if you ask me. <laughs> That's not a Rafo. I I have Rafo. I I have Rafed, and I have an Ode. <laughs> no, you've Rafed. That is a question we should ask Brandon if we ever see him in person. Um, what the heck is a half beard? <laughs> well, is there a movie adaptation of this? If you can hold on, actually, uh, let me Google half beard and hope I don't regret this, sir. <laughs> Oh, that's it's definitely a sex challenge. That is, that is 100%. Right, I guarantee you that's going to be it. the side of the face has a beard. That's what so I'm getting. Like going on his left side of his face, but not his right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the pictures that I get. Oh. All right. I know maybe that's not it, but like, that's that's going to be in my like head forever. There or <laughs> he's burned badly. Um. All right, Dave. You had a birthday recently, and I promised you a present. And and the present I promised you was you get to ask one question, and I'm going to try to answer it as best I can. Okay, okay. Before you begin, I'm a little skeptical that this is even a gift. Go on. <laughs> oh, hey, you tried to go half-seas with me on it, and I said no. I wasn't going to go half-seas. I was going to go 200% seas. Like, you answer it, and I can also give my interpretation to the answer, too. No, you tried to go half-seas. You tried... You tried to butt in on my birthday present. Oh, I think it's fun to answer questions, carte blanche, and yet, well, we'll see. We'll, let's see what happens. All um, right. Uh, so, heads up for those listening, this may contain spoilers. I don't know yet. 
I'll put I'll put the warning up just in case. Uh, real quick, before I get to that, I did think of one prediction, and that is, I think that uh, Vin is going to, like, at some point down the road, see her brother again. Whether or not she's going to, like, forgive him, or he's just going to try to swindle her, or whatever. I don't know what's going to happen between the two of them, but I foresee them meeting again. That's if, That's one prediction for you. Okay. Okay. My uh, my question that I want to ask you for my birthday is, uh, what's the deal with the pool of oblivion? What's the deal with the pool of oblivion? Yeah. Okay, that one actually is fairly spoilery. So yeah, let's get that. Let's get that up here. So spoilers. This answer contains spoilers. This it's isn't not- gonna like. I, I'm actually a little scared. Like this isn't gonna ruin my experience of reading. Like, stuff, is it? It shouldn't. This isn't gonna, like, ruin the show. Nah, you should be fine. If it, if it ruins the show, then... It it will give you context on some things you're gonna see later. How about that? Okay. Now, keep in mind, I did also read... I did also um listen to episode zero of the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast, so I do kind of understand that there is, like, a cosmology in different planets and stuff. Okay. The Pool of Oblivion, as you call it, uh, is, in fan terminology, a shard pool um, in... And I heard about... You guys talked about shards in episode zero, too. Official terminology is is something called a perpendicularity. Um, It's a transfer point uh, between the physical realm and the cognitive realm, and potentially the spiritual realm, but... We haven't seen evidence of that 100% yet. Um, it is a way for people to, um, basically, if they want to, go from the physical realm to the cognitive realm, where they can then, you know, be in the cognitive realm and have access to things there that they wouldn't necessarily have access to in the physical realm. Um, as far as the deal with the Oblivion Pool and why it didn't uh, eat Rayodin and why it did eat that other guy, those two other guys, um, is, uh, as it was explained in Elantris, um, you you don't go through if you don't intend to, if you don't choose to. Uh, mm-hmm. There is, there is a, there's, there's a choice aspect to it. Um, and it didn't uh, destroy either of those two people on its own. Um, what it did was it transferred both of them to the cognitive realm. Uh, and yeah. Ah, I like the term perpendicularity. Yeah, it's a neat one. Um, all right. I think I've answered your question without going into other stuff that is adjacent to it. All right. Yeah. Uh, Dave, are you satisfied with that answer? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Alright, then, why don't we go ahead and kick you off since we're already in spoiler territory? Well, is there anything else that... (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I know it's... So, so to put it in perspective, this is the first three chapters of a trilogy, so it's it's probably going to be a much slower burn compared to Elantris. Mm, I would disagree. So it should write it oh, so no, that don't, like, don't chapter worry about one, from chapter one is like part of book one, and then chapter two is part of book two, and chapter three is part of. He should do that. No, from that Dave's would be... perspective, he might not get as much. Purchase. Well, I guess yeah. Lantris is also really slow. Yeah, like I had chapters where nothing happens. We're coming into a Lantris halfway in, so I could just read it in one chunk. It's true. I mean, Elantris had a lot of chapters where nothing happens because it was, you know, structured the way it was structured with the the three character viewpoints and going between them. And sometimes a, one of the characters just not not doing anything at that time. So that is thrown out. And it was usually Hraithen. Yeah, poor guy. Most important character had nothing to do. All right, let's let's d Dave ourselves. All right, Dave, talk to you next week. Bye, Dave. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, 
we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay. Uh, so, I believe part of the reason that Tori wanted to do chapters 1 through 4 instead of 1 through 3, uh, in addition to just overall length... Oh, right. The, the warning thing. Um, in addition to just overall, like, length, is that chapter 4 gives us the, the heist movie introductions. Right, right. So we actually... Yeah... Which would have introduced, you know, several new characters and given us a breakdown of like who they are and what they do and what what their what their heist movie specialty is. That would have been nice. It would have. Um, so uh, we can look forward to that next week. Um. So Dave figured that we're gonna see Reen again. Yeah, I I posted some stuff in spoiler chat, so I can actually mention it out loud because you know dave said things i'm like oh man he has no idea and th- that's what i meant it, it's he's only three chapters in and there's a lot that happens in three books like the fact that we only deal with lord roller in the first book like to me i remember the first time i read them like he's already taken care of what the heck is the conflict in the next two books emperor meter stick sure <laughs> What you don't like so, my dumb pun name for the for the villain? Lord, I, I'm Dave will absolutely love it when when you can actually say it to him. Uh, we did in the in you the said last Emperor one. Meter Stick. I think so, or oh. some variant on that. So yeah, so I think the conflict is much much bigger. I mean, we're talking about a conflict of shards. The whole planet is a. It, it, this isn't a theological. Let's take control of this land and maybe genocide some people this is the whole planet will be destroyed because that's what ruin does mm-hmm. like this is huge this is and and also like dave's describing it i'm like man th- this is bleak like this is a bleak world like vin can't trust anyone she and and i'm thinking about what's going to happen in the next three books like Things just get worse and worse as the characters try to go through it until the very end when they can finally deal with ruin. Um, it's like so, uh, we're, we're talking like an apocalypse scenario at the end of book three. So if if you'll recall, at the end of Elantris, I brought up that I had some trouble like trying to figure out what overall themes there were to that book. Yeah. And my issue ended up being that there wasn't one overall theme for the book. There were multiple themes that were spread throughout characters. Like, Hraithen had a theme. Sure. But, but, like, the book didn't have a theme. Mistborn? Mistborn has a capital T theme. It's introduced immediately. And that is Betrayal. Yep. So, so yeah, we have... Betrayal. Right. We have a an overarching theme that permeates this entire trilogy of betrayal. So the the interesting thing about that, I was going to bring it up later, but Vin's brother, like, from Vin's perspective, totally betrayed Vin. But oh, yeah. in reality, like, he ended up being the only... Well, she can trust others, too, but she... He, he didn't actually betray her. When did we even find... Was that at the end of this book? No, I think that's in... I feel like that's late. I don't remember where. I don't remember the fine details. I just remember eventually we find out. I feel like it's at the end of this book, because I I think it was, like, one of the... Either one of the Steel Inquisitors or, like, one of the higher-up obligators was talking. I don't know. I, yes, it, it had to have been at the end of this book. They, like, tortured him to death or something? Yeah. It had to be at the end of this book. And then we get to actually meet Reen, air quotes. We do. In a uh, book... Ruin. Three. It's in book three because it's when Vin is trapped by that one guy who had a city that used to be Sets. The Obligator dude who was the ATM, ATM misting... What's his name? It's not coming to me. I don't know. 
I don't know. We'll get to it. I, I mean, it's easier to say that's when Ruin has, like, he's released by book three. Right. So he's he's doing stuff. Like, book two, he's still contained in the well, um, so he can't really affect things as much. Um, so this book also, we won't have... Sorry, go ahead. Great answer on Shardpool. You somehow managed to avoid, like, all of the spoilers. I, I'm, like, I came I'm, like, really close. You did, and I'm like, how's he gonna get through? He got through this. Alright, <laughs> this is just enough that it answers the question, but doesn't go anywhere near spoilers. And I'm like, that's so good. Like, I almost, like, as soon as Cognitive Realm, I was like, and that's how people get from different, to different world. Nope, 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 stop. Mike, stop, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think it works. It it worked really well. And that is my honorary good thing for the week. (laughs) (laughs) The um, non-spoilery, slightly spoilery answer to the Shardpool question. Something we should um, keep an eye out for future uh, things, mostly once we start getting into book two, book two and book three, actually mostly book three now that I think about it, is um, based on Mistborn Secret History. Uh, what's Kelsier doing while we're while we're doing this stuff? We'll talk about that in spoilers, but we won't even say any of that with Dave. Right. Right. He doesn't need to know anything about that. Yeah. Um, also... And, and should, should we, like, maybe I can, like, sort of read this in between? I mean, Kelsier doesn't do much... But he does interact with... There are certain scenes where, like, this is from Mistborn. So it might be good to sort of read them in tandem just so we know. Well, there's... Okay. There's at least one spot where... Okay, so there's where Ellen gets stabbed. That was actually Kelsier doing it. Yeah. Um, at one point, Kelsier talks to Spook, and it's actually Kelsier and not Ruin pretending to be Spook... Or pretending to be Kelsier. Yep. Um... I think at one point when the Miss Spirit is talking to Ellen, it's not it's not um preservation, it's actually Kelsier. Like jumping around and stuff. Yeah, I wanna keep an eye I wanna definitely I might read it in tandem. Those are those are difficult to, to keep track of. Because um, being able to read the secret history thing and then go back to Mistborn and see if there's any subtle differences that hints at that. I'm, I'm hoping it's there, because honestly, the first time I read Secret, Secret History, I was sort of annoyed. I'm like, why does Kelsier have to live? Like, why why are we bringing him back? Like, it was cool. He had a he had a somewhat heroic death. Well, not really, but close enough. And they did the thing with the religion. I'm like, that's cool. But now, Dusak Machina, he's back. And I'm like, what the, what the crap? But... Maybe I'll, if 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 I see hints, if I see foreshadowing in Mistborn, I'll be much happier. Um, one question I I would like an answer to that I don't think we have one is: Did preservation stab um Alendi's friend? And if so, how? Alendi's friend. Yeah, remember um. Like, the night before, or, like, right before um, Alendi was supposed to go and release the power and let Ruin out. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then Rashik killed him. Um, Sure. Alendi's friend got stabbed by the Miss Spirit, air quotes. But Preservation can't. So what happened there? I mean, it was a thousand years beforehand, right? Let me let me read the. Wiki yeah, but we have like a first-hand account from a Lendy's journal. We do. Which That's fine. Um, speaking. No, of, I'm trying to think about how much difference in power did preservation have at that point. Well, it's not a a, a power issue. It's it's an intent issue. It's true. Stabbing someone is not a thing preservation really does. Right. Like, was that ruined? The wiki doesn't say anything. Did Kelsier pull off some time travel shenanigans to make that happen? No. What? I'm not, no. I don't like that answer. Was there someone else Kelsiering at the time? Doubtful. Like, it doesn't I- sound like, from the way preservation talked to Kelsier when, when that happened, 
it was very rare for preservation to even do that. I mean, sure. I'm just trying to figure like, out, like, a way that this could happen. Like, did preservation actually do it? Like, did he just, like, work himself up to it over the course of a few weeks to finally, so like... why would Ruin do that? Because th- doesn't that sort of shoot himself in the foot? Yeah, that that kind of... There's no reason for Ruin to do it. All right, so but, there's no reason for Ruin to do it. For preservation, sort of part of his plan, because that way Rashi gets the power. Right, but... but Rashik, Rashik, not Rashik, whatever. He's gonna he's gonna end up killing Alendi anyway. But that goes counter to preservation's intent, and I I don't know that it's necessarily so impossible, but very very difficult. While reading Mistborn, is that pre- preservation is playing this super long game? Like, right. This was his overall. Here's how to deal with the ruin, wanting to destroy his creation type thing. So I I feel like their stuff preservation was willing to do. That wasn't exactly within, like, the short-term intent, like, this is hard for him to do because he's not actually preserving. But overall, it's preserving the world, and he was willing to do it. Like, the overall intent is still there. So I feel like preservation is willing to do certain things short-term as long as the long-term goal of preservation succeeds. And... That's probably going to be like what we have to go with, just because we don't have anything better. But I don't know. I'm. Hmm. It might not necessarily be preservation himself, but him influencing someone, because obviously it's easier for him to influence someone else because they can actually take those steps. Preservation is de- desperate to keep ruin in check by near. Yeah, so we were just talking about that, Spoonie. Uh, apparently, that was actually Kelsier. Uh, yeah, in Mistborn Secret History, Kelsier, um, okay, so it actually is preservation, sort of, but I believe Kelsier actually, like, grabs his hand and, and does the stabbing. Yeah, so, th- the thing is, when I first read through Mistborn without Secret History, so just the first three books in Mistborn, I was actually okay with, with thinking it was preservation, because... Again, I had that perspective. It's a long-term thing. Like, he wasn't necessarily killing Ellen because he knew there was a, a Lyrasium bead or whatever. Um, yeah. So he knew that he wouldn't completely die, but that Vin, I mean, he was intending Vin to just use the power rather than the bead, but she released it anyway. Like, it was sort of a step. But he, but then again, with the way his plan is, like the, that doesn't actually hold up as much because his overall plan was Ruin would be released because the, the you know, the overall long-term game was, was Harmony. So it's like, maybe that doesn't quite make sense, and that's why it makes sense that Kelsier was the one who did it, and now it makes sense in, uh, in retrospect. But at the time of reading it, I was okay with it. Therefore, yeah. this whole thing with uh, Alendi's friend, like, I don't even remember this. So I, w- I think I was like, yeah, okay, it makes sense because he's already did it, did it before for a similar reason. Um, okay. Yeah, without secret history, there's no issue. It, like, without it any sort of indication. Yeah, without any sort of indication that Kelsier was doing anything here, I was fine assuming that it was preservation the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but once we get secret history and we know that Kelsier was involved in this and that preservation, like, couldn't do it, couldn't stab Elend, right? then that brings up a lot more questions and I'm very confused. And did Dave even notice that there was, like, this whole separate story going on in the in the chapter headings? Probably not. I don't think he even pointed them out yet. He didn't mention it. Yeah. And... I mean, I'm sure he will starting in book two, because it becomes very, very important. Like, it becomes very obvious that that's what's going on about halfway through book one. Yeah. But, yeah. So, uh, you know what? I'm I'm actually going to go with it's it's a slight retcon. That's what I'm worried about, that Secret History was sort of a slight retcon on Mistborn, just to, to keep Kelsier alive. Um... So the only explanation I'm going to go with is, you know what? It was a thousand years ago. Preservation was slightly more himself. Well, I won't say preservation. He was more Lyras at that time before completely succumbing to the 
preservation intent and that he was able to do this step of of hurting someone thinking it would work that's that's what i'm gonna go with so i'm kind of looking forward to you know in 25 years when we finally get to or when we finally get the book of like dragon steel introducing at and like he's this super cool dude and you like him a lot and then you're sad because you know what happens he he apparently was you know a nice guy according to the the letters. Yeah. So, Odium was always a jerk. Yeah, race race is a butthole. Race, race is is a butthole. Yeah, but <laughs> but At was like this cool guy, and unfortunately he got tweaked by Ruin. You know what? We could probably do we could probably do a shirt of that. Race is a butthole. <laughs> the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Yeah. When we get some merch, that'll be one of it. Yeah. One of them. Along with, wait, what, what are other things Dave says? Like, we just gotta oh, remember God. all this stuff. He's got, there's so many Daveisms. Baron Von Dead Guy. Baron Von Dead Guy. There's uh, one from Elantris, and now I, I need to scroll up and find it. Band of Ragamuffins. Which he thought he was in Oliver Twist. That was great. Superhero powers. I don't know. Scrolling is for, scrolling is for times when I'm not recording and need to be. You know, paying attention. Um, so, Spoonie the Bard, who is joining us in chat, do you have any questions or comments or anything you would like to to add or have us have us discuss? While he comes up with that, um, was there anything else I mentioned in spoilers? So, yeah, I think the, con- the conflict's pretty good, and then we do see Vin's brother again. Uh, but of course, that's not him. That's just Ruin taking on his form. True. Dang, uh, no comment. Just Vin- listening for now. Poor Vin has trust issues. Luckily, she has her future surrogate father, Kelsier, popping up. You do yes. need to pick up Secret Histories. In fact, um, if you're if you're here, then you're probably a fan of the Cosmere in general. You should get Arcanum Unbounded. That's the full short story collection that includes Secret Histories. That includes um, Edge Dancer, which, if you're doing Stormlight at all, that needs to be read between books two and three. Um, yeah, there's, there's a ton of good stuff in there, but secret history is probably the most cosmere thing. Um, there's also Emperor's Soul, which if you haven't read that, that was phenomenal. Like that's, yeah. that's one of a handful of places that I recommend people start with. Um, do, do, do. Yeah, there's not much for us to talk about. There's just sort of like, Hey, we know what's going to happen. Oh boy, this is exciting. Yeah. But Dave does need the heist framework. And once he has that, I think he'll like right now he's already like, what's the point of the book? There's this whole Kelsier doesn't like nobles thing. And like, he's one chapter deal? out from that. He is. Next and- week he'll be like, okay, I can see where they're going. They're doing an Ocean's Eleven thing. Kelsier's putting up a crack team. They got stuff to do. We're gonna overthrow that the the Empire. It's gonna be great. And we get we get Breeze and Ham arguing with each other. You do. And that's always fun. I want to know who we cast for. When are we going to have our casting discussion? Because I have to start thinking about this. I mean, for Elantris, we did um, about halfway through the book. Okay. Um, I'm gonna. I should actually participate this time. Yeah, I've, I've already good. been putting putting some ideas together. But we we gotta get someone good for like Breeze. Oh, and um, I did spot that. Kelsier pretty much immediately starts on the father figuring toward Vin. Yeah. Like, immediately. Yes. I think that's intentional. He, it, Brandon Sanderson wanted to avoid a whole love triangle thing going on. It's like, let's clearly separate them. Like, this is a line. He's a father figure. Done. Yeah. I didn't pick up on it before. But now that I know to look for it, it's there. Like, it's immediately there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. So, last time, you weren't able to be with us because you were driving or something. I don't know. Um, and Tori and I discussed what, if you could only have um, Alloy of Law era, you could ha- you can have one Allomantic power and one Ferrochemical power. What I do you got? I answered that. Well, yeah, in chat, but not on the not on the podcast. All right, let me pull up my answer because I don't remember it anymore. Um, Tori wanted. Tori thought about copper. Uh, it should have been in spoiler. 
Uh, yeah, maybe because we would. Uh, uh, you said Bendeloy, bronze, tin, iron. I said a lot grass. of things. So you I'm, said a I'm lot of things. Go through this. Where the heck is that? If I was a post, where would I be? In spoiler chat, like okay, here we go. Here we go. Very Got close. It. All right, so. So Alamancy, I mentioned Bendeloy first. So Bendeloy speed up time, it's the it's the thing um uh Wayne uses. Yeah. I'm like, that that's pretty cool. Like you basically make everyone outside be slow so you can like do your thing, get stuff done. I'm like, that that seems pretty neat if you have the bubble. Like the, specifically having it as a bubble. Because I don't I think it I think it works for yourself. I don't know. It's it's sort of like not really mentioned. It's never explored in the the original trilogy. So I'm like, that's cool. Um, then we have like easy ones like bronze and tin. So, so bronze just to be a seeker, I think would be useful just to be able to like see. And of course there are the slight differences. Like maybe you can see slightly different colors to determine like what is being burnt. But like from a personal perspective, I'm like, that's sort of boring as well. So I'm like, yeah, maybe that could be good, but eh, maybe not. Tin, of course, enhancing your ins- your senses so I can have better sight or better hearing. That's always cool. Uh, and of course, there's the the, the element um, emotional ones. Those are always fun. But yes. then you're controlling other people, and I'm like, eh. And then iron, of course, just to move around because that's fun. I could be like a superhero. I ended up on double brass. Uh, not because I ne- I would want to like do any compounding, because brass lets you store physical warmth. Yeah. Um. So Spoonie the Bard says steel for Alamancy and speed for the other. Both of those are steel, so you could be a speed compounder. So you could have you could be the Flash. Yeah. Basically. So so I think I'm gonna go with Bendeloy. I think that's the strongest. For ferrochemy, I mentioned steel, so yeah, like everyone else, let's go fast. You could store speed. Like, I could picture, like, I'll be slower today, and I could just do that over time, just a little bit, you know, like 20% slowness, because it doesn't really matter. But then, like, every now and then, I'm like, I gotta go places, and then I just tap it and go. Okay, but consider this. With okay. brass ferrochemy, you can, if you're too hot, store your warmth. In your brass mind. If you're too cold, you so can So what you're cold. saying is always be the perfect temperature. Yes. How great does that sound? That's actually so nice. And then I would be like, you know, my wife can be like, you know what? Go ahead. Turn the heat up. I'm, I'm good. I'll just, I'll just store some of that. Um, yeah. And the only downside is that the only thing you can store while you're sleeping or store or tap while sleeping uh, is sleep. Yeah. Um, so you, you, if you're used to being a perfect temperature all the time, you're just never going to be able to sleep because it's going to be uncomfortable all the time forever. And that part sucks. Wait, what do you, wait, wait, why? What? Uh, have you ever had to try to sleep when it's just too hot? Yeah. Does it, can you sleep? Cause I can't. No. But, but why can't you, cause you can't, you can't tap. Um, you can't tap or store while you're sleeping unless you're specifically storing sleep. So save, a lot of them, when it comes says to that. I thought about what would I feel like, ta- like, what would I feel like storing this? Because obviously using it is fine. But then I'm like, like, for example, zinc is store mental speed. I'm like, I don't want to mentally slow myself down just so I can get a burst of, of, mentalness. Okay, but what if you go on Jeopardy? Sure. There's a specific use. Yeah, you... or be Ken Jennings for a day. Or, I mean, you don't even have to go Jeopardy. Bar trivia. Sure. (laughs) And it's the same thing with copper. I'm like, okay, copper, you can store all the information, but it also means you can't you don't remember. You have to refer to your index and look it up. Like, because you don't actively have it in knowledge. It's stored in your metal mind. Watch. Dumb yourself. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, I don't really want to walk around like that. So that's why I'm like, eh, maybe not. 
I didn't realize the value of storing warmth. That's why I sort of discounted it. Same thing for storing wakefulness. That means I'm going to be sleepy all the time. I'm like, I don't want that. Um, but I mean, like, the only just- other one I considered was fortune because I feel like that could be useful, but its usefulness is unknown at this point because you don't really go into it yet. Right. Um, however, a weekend at Vegas, I mean, I feel like that would work. Yes. It's just that you have to store it and be super unlucky for a while. Well, I mean, you could just be mildly unlucky for a longer time. Yeah. And then just be, like, crazy. I mean, you don't even have to be, like, crazy lucky for all that long. You. So here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to store some luck. I'm not going to worry about how you're you're basically you're walking to work you trip you know stuff happens you lose a couple things it happens you're storing luck but a little bit at a time you go to vegas huge windfall like bam millions of dollars you you tap it right before you put your coin in and pull the lever on the slot machine sure sure the point is it works really well You, you have to use a lot more for to get a huge amount of luck that's okay because you've been storing it for a while then you go back to storing some more, and uh-oh, a fire starts in your house, and you lose some value, and it turns out you weren't fully insured, so you lose some... Like, I feel like it it sort of balances itself out. Like, overall, any of these ferrochemical, because it's the way it operates, overall, you're always going to be like... If you, if you never tapped, did anything with luck, it would be the same. So, eh. the ups and downs... What you'd have to do is you'd have to get a huge up and just never, ever use it again. Well, I think you're, I think you're discounting a little bit the, the, the amount that timing would help. Yes. Like, but also knowing when, like, the basically part. the way Sazed uses Farukami, um, I mean, that really shows off how useful it can be. Like, he doesn't need to be all that strong most of the time, but every once in a while, Tripling his strength is super duper useful. Yes, I understand. And and when it comes to that, it makes sense. I'm saying for luck specifically, I feel like it has a weird way of balancing itself out. It, it's just the way fortune itself works. It has. No, it's not. I'm not talking about ferrochemy in general. It's specifically about fortune, which is why I'm unsure if I would like the ability to store and tap that. Well, on the topic of fortune. Um, I saw a thing on the Copper Mind a while back that apparently Hoyd uh, has access to um, Fortune Farukami. Yes. Maybe others. I don't know. Um, but that is apparently the mechanism by which he knows where he's supposed to be, but not what he's supposed to do. Yes. It's sort of like an intuition type thing. It's like, I know that I'm supposed to do this. Um. So that's tied into it somehow. And like he, okay, he definitely would have access to compounding at this point because he's, you know, a full misborn. Um, but Being at the right place at the right time until he ate that bead of loracium, uh, he would only have been able to like store and tap as normal, no compounding, but he was still able to, to know where he was supposed to be. So I think it still works. Okay. I think there's other access into fortune than just ferrochemy. Oh, probably. But that's the only one we know of now. Yes. And it might be easier with it. Because I don't think natively he'd have access to... uh, Is it ferrochemy? Ferrochemy, ferrochemy, I don't know. I'm probably saying it wrong. Because that's that's, uh, genetic. He'd have to be... From Skadriel, which he's not. So, unless he has something that's, you know, un, um, unconnected or unident, no identity? Is that the one? Identity list, yeah. So, yeah. Which, unless he had something like that. Best of I'm, my knowledge, the tech for that didn't exist until, you know, Mistborn Era 2. Right. It's aluminum. Aluminum is not in a early metal. Like, that's, that's a late metal that you start like melting and using so 
Yeah, so I, I imagine he's getting it in some other way. And then, of course, later on, you find out, hey, there's an easier way to do this, is my guess. Okay. I need I need the Dragonsteel books to come out. I need all of these yeah. books to just already exist. That would We're be there. That would be We're the best. There. If all of these could just be right now, just just exist. But uh, part of the fun is us speculating. Oh yeah, very much so. Um but That's I think I'm all, I, I think I'm pretty well tapped out for the day. Uh so on Sanderson's site we have Skyward his first pass. Very much looking forward to that. We have a Legion thing going on that have a, a that's going to be released soon because that's a final proofread. I still haven't read any of the Legion stuff. Same. We have the Seeker Project that's going through a second draft, and Skyward too second first draft. Wait, what? He's already starting on a sequel to Skyward. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't see anything about Mistborn here, and I want the last book, please, Sanderson. Please. I believe he was going to work on that um, starting, like, second half of this year. Yes, that's what I thought, and we would get it early next year, but I'm a little worried about the timing of that. Well, don't be. It's Sanderson. He'll get it. What I'm saying is I don't see anything about that listed on his little status. Thing. Okay, but... He's not Martin. He's not Rothfuss. We're going to get these books. Yeah, I we know. know. We don't have to sit and wait something. forever. Definitely going to get something. Yeah. And um, Skyward is going to be pretty great, probably. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to reading that. I just wish it were Cosmere. Yeah, it's okay. It doesn't always have to be Cosmere. It can still be good. But I want it to be Cosmere. You know, sometimes it's fun to just read it and enjoy it and not have to worry about connections to other books. No. Sometimes. sometimes. No, you're wrong. It has to connect. <laughs> yeah. We can't just have a Spider-Man movie. It has to be a Marvel movie. It's true. <laughs> I I'm glad he's able to, like, write these other things because I think it gives him a break. Oh, definitely. A, ment a mental break. Um, nah, he doesn't really force us to connect. And... and on purpose, he writes these novels like, yeah, there's connections, but you don't have to. You can ignore them. You can be like, you know what? This is weird. That's okay. I can just ignore it. It's not part of the overall story. Eventually, we're going to get to the point where we're going to have a story that's like, you got to know about the Cosmere because of reasons. But until that point, I think Dragonsteel does a pretty good job of keeping it um, separated. I think Dragonsteel is going to be that. Think so? I think it's going to be some Stormlight archives eventually. I mean, Stormlight is doing that a little bit, but for the most part, it's still staying fairly self-contained. Maybe the second arc. That's that's what I'm saying. Like maybe the second arc, definitely like Mistborn, Future Error, gonna also have some stuff. Yeah, I don't that's know. Why I'm excited? Excited. Um, dude, we're getting a 1980s Mistborn soon. Yeah, it's Quote, gonna be a spy soon, like, thriller. The next Next five years, but dude, um, I have been reading Dresden. I'm on the second book, halfway through the second Dresden Files. I'm halfway through book four on my probably sixth or seventh reread since book fifteen came out. Yeah, Spoonie, that that's what we're saying though. That's not that's not important to the story or anything. It's sort of sure like humans basically came from somewhere else. For the most part. But, it, but it's... The, the somewhere else, the other world that they're from, isn't a world that we had another story in yet. Like, they're not from Scadriel. They're not from Cell. They're not from Nalthus. Well, for the record, Scadrials were created. Scadrians. Yes. They're um, actually created. Like, they're from another world, but it's still in the Roshar system, and it's still exclusively at this point tied to the Stormlight story. So yeah, that's what we're, that's what I'm saying. Like there's connections. So if you're a fan of the whole Cosmere, you can totally like try to find these these connections out. Um but it's not important to the story itself. It's sort of like, hey, I know there's fans of my work and this does take place in the same universe, so let's throw a bone here and here's a hint at something greater that's going on. But he, he purposely writes so you don't have to be aware of the Cosmere. 
All right. I think I'm going to go ahead and call it. Unless you've okay. got anything else. I thought there was something else, but I don't remember it, so it's not important. All right. Uh, we'll take it back up next week. Uh, All right. Bye, everybody. Good night. Day. <laughs> Perfect ending. Super duper smooth. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.